Well, as if, as if you didn't understand already, Pastor Jimmy is not here. He is on vacation this week. So he passed the baton to me. So we're going to take a shot at this tonight, and we're going to just have some fun. How about that? We're not going to tell him. We're just going to have fun. <laughs> so Pastor Jimmy has got his family. He's got his grandkids. And, uh, and I guess all I can say about that, you talked to them up here, or you saw that, and it's complicated. <laughs> it's a complicated situation, but they're anxious. They're excited about it. Uh, they actually went away for a couple nights. They went and picked up the grandkids and went to Mo Ranch and uh, got them out of the house. And so they're, they're taking a little break. And anyway coming back and then they're going to spend the week the rest of the week here at the house so anyway we're going to be praying about that and praying for them and that they have a great relaxed time and uh, and I know they will so I wanted to spend a few minutes tonight setting a backdrop about what we're doing here and I know Pastor Jimmy has been he asked me actually a a month or two ago, he just said, hey, I, I may not be here. Would you take this? And I just, the, he's like the Energizer Bunny. Jimmy, if you're listening, I'm sorry. But he is the, he's like an Energizer Bunny. And I just said, man, I don't want to take it because I am enjoying, I, I don't, I like the way this is going. He's nonstop. He's so full of, he, it just never ends. And I just said, man, I don't want to, I don't want this, I don't want to, put brakes on this and me take it for a week. But anyway, he is on vacation this week. So I said, yes, I'd be happy to do it. And so I, I said, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to do something a little different tonight. We're going to do chapter five. We're going to get into chapter five, but I wanted to start by setting the backdrop first of all, and giving you, I know Pastor Jimmy has talked about the purple book and how it came about. And I want to give you my story about that. So I became, I, well, Pam and I moved to Midland in 1994, I believe, and we started attending a church called Mid-Cities Community Church, and it was a church affiliated with Morning Star Ministries, which is now called Every Nation. And so we joined that church and became part of it and were working, and it was, they were doing something so different than what we've ever done in the past. And what they were doing was discipling people. They were realizing that the great commission that God has called us in Matthew 28 to go disciple the nations was, was not just a, a reference on what God would like you to do, but it was a command. It was a, it was a command what to do. He didn't say anything other than go or while you are going, disciple the nations. He didn't say you have to go to Africa. He didn't say you had to go overseas. He didn't say you had to do anything, but while you were going, disciple the nations. So we became a part of this church. And so this, this purple book came along. And this purple book came along because of the fact that these, these guys that went to college together started Every Nation. They came together and started Every Nation Ministries. One of them was in the Philippines now. Um, they were all very successful. And there was no reason to come together, but they did. 
And so they started Every Nation Ministries. And Every Nation, you'll hear Jimmy talk about it all the time. He calls it EN. It's Every Nation. Uh, their, their purpose is to, to get the Word of God into every nation in our generation. So we wear these bracelets, which I don't have on, but, but they kind of do the same thing there. And it's, it's every nation in our generation. That's, that's the goal. That's the purpose. And so they, were, they set out to say, we, are going, we have a way to get this done. And the way to get this done is discipleship. And discipleship is how this purple book came into, into play. And so I wanted to tell you how this started with us in our lives. And we've been in many denominations. We were, I was raised Catholic. Uh, I met Pam in, a, in an assembly of God church, was, was radically different. And, uh, and then we've, we've been to Baptist churches and then non-denominational churches. And I have to tell you that nobody really had a plan for discipleship. It was really unusual until we went to this Every Nation church. So we started there and started something radically different. We started seeing the kids' ministries. Uh, they were doing the Purple Book, uh, the, the junior high, the high school, the college campuses were all doing this Purple Book. And it's kind of funny, but Midland is a small town. Ron, you... Ron knows he used to live there. <laughs> it was a small town. Uh, it's now a, a bustling headache. Um, I still have a son that lives there in the oil field business. But uh, anyway, this, this uh, purple book we started seeing take root, and it was, it was in our schools. We couldn't go to Barnes & Noble or we couldn't go, you know, to a, one of the city parks during the day. Rarely, anywhere you went in town, in Midland and Odessa, you would see a group of kids looking, and you'd see, you'd see them out in the grass. You'd all, it's, it's, you'd see the purple. And I'd say, look at, those kids are out. They got a group of four or five kids, and they were doing this book. And so with that, because of the importance, um, people always tell us, man, you guys have done such an amazing job with your kids. And I just said, you know, I, I can't really take credit for that. We did our best. <laughs> we did, I don't think we did great. But we were in a church that was a discipling church, and they had leaders that took them and were teaching them stuff that we weren't teaching them at home. We were learning this as well. We've been Christians. We were, you know, been in the Word for 30 years. But, you know, we weren't doing what the Purple Book says to do. So our kids were being discipled in groups and in churches, in our church. And so I want to tell you what happened through that. It led to the college campus ministries. Uh, led to praying at the cross, or at the cross, at the flag in all, the, in all their schools. And, and it created such a stir that everybody started noticing. You know, it was on the news and, and uh, things were happening in the community because these kids were making a difference. And so, 
because of this discipleship and because of this purple book, I, I mean, it could be any book. It's just this book was created and it worked. And so it's the fact of what this book is doing, not this book. So the fact of it's a discipleship book and it works. So through this, we started seeing changes in our community. We started seeing changes in our kids. And, you know, you always wonder what happens, let's say, to this church when the pastor decides to retire or if he passes away. And this has been thoughts in all of our other churches. Well, because of the discipleship, that was never a question. There was always some, there was already somebody waiting that was trained, that was discipled, that could step in at any time. And you always heard, you know, management, and Jimmy talks about this as well. If you are not training somebody to take your job, you're failing as a leader. And so our job is to train somebody to step in and take over. So the churches we've, we were in in the past, there was never an option of, hey, what are we going to do when this guy's not here? And there was, already, there was already a plan. There was already somebody that could step up at any time and take over that position. So does that make sense? So Jimmy comes here. I met Jimmy over 20 years ago in, in Midland. He came from California. And uh, so we're talking about all this, I don't think is a very much of a coincidence. You can say it's a coincidence all you want, but met Jimmy and Annette. And uh, they, they came and they were kind of, I think, like a lot of people, like we were here, we came when we came here, we were, we were hurt, we were offended. Somebody mistreated us in our last church and we got out of Fred, or Midland went to Fredericksburg and we were just going to come here and sit in, in the back and do nothing and, and relax and enjoy God. And, and that, that didn't happen. That's what Jimmy kind of came to Midland at that time. I think the same thing. And we met him, didn't know him very well. We were just acquaintances and then became friends. Of course, Facebook came along and and uh, we heard about what he did, but because he came to Midland to not do anything, I think, for a while, and then it didn't take but a few weeks probably for somebody, the pastors talking to him said, you know, you know, he needs to be a pastor somewhere. And so they shipped him off quickly to, to Abilene and took over one of our Every Nation churches in Abilene. And so we, we became friends just through just through uh, Facebook, really. And so he, you know, here's three years ago or whatever, we had what was called, uh, we weren't elders, but we had, we were called cat team. We had a group of five guys because they were the the five coolest cats, I think, in the church. I think that's where the name came from, wasn't it, David? <laughs> we were called the cat team. It was called a campus advisory team. And so we were, it was just a group of guys that got together to help the pastor uh, in everyday business and, and help make decisions and things like that because we, we didn't have, we had a, an elder, one elder or two elders, but one was never here. Uh, so we were in our campus advisory meeting one night uh, trying to talk about who is our next pastor going to be. 
and they and us uh, and they came in and said we we got this this guy uh uh, Jimmy Pruitt coming to try out and talk to you guys and I said Jimmy and Annette Pruitt So they were coming from Nashville. So do you think a coincidence? I don't think so um, So Jimmy gets here <clears throat> Gets to it takes over this church of course and gets to know Max Licato and uh, the funny thing is is Max Licato several years back started putting out the possibility of, hey, you know, I think I'm ready to slow down and, and you know, not be in the executive minister role. And so the, the Oak Hills started freaking out. And so Jimmy comes along and says, well, what are you doing in discipleship? And Oak Hills Church was saying, what? What's, what do you mean? You know? And so, therefore... We had no disciples. We had nobody in place that could step up and do really anything until he came along. And so I don't think it's a coincidence. I think uh, Jimmy created an atmosphere for Oak Hills Church that led to the, uh, the fact that we realize we can no longer ever depend on one man. You know, because that one man may not be there next week. And then you're left with a mess when you got 12,000 people dependent on that person. <clears throat> so now you can see what's going on with Oak Hills Church. We are, we are becoming independent in, in September. We're excited about it. But we're more excited about the fact of what God's going to do through a church that is going to catch a new vision of, of being a church that plants churches, and you do that by discipling. You do that by this purple book that we're talking. So I just wanted everybody to know my heart tonight. I wanted you to realize that this purple book isn't just another Bible study. And when this, when we're done with this, okay, what's next? What's the next study? This, this is a way of life. This is not a Bible study. This needs to be part of your everyday life. This needs to be ingrained in you. This word that is in here, we're going to talk about the word of God tonight. This word needs to be in you. <clears throat> and this purple book needs to be shared with our community. And so I'm, and I said all that to say this, I came from a discipling church. Don't you hate it when some, when you meet new people? And, and I've, I've done it here many times, and they come up and say, man, you're, this is really neat, but man, this church we went to in Dallas, I wish you could have seen how they did host ministry and how they did this. It was amazing. You need to go up there and check it out. And they're talking about how amazing their, their past church was. And, and I, so I understand it. it's kind of aggravating. Uh, because it happens to me all the time. But I'm telling you this because our church wasn't perfect. In fact, I think the church was perfect until I came and became a member. And then I came to Fredericksburg, and this church was perfect until I got here. And I realized, man, uh, the sign up on the wall, I realized, you know, it was that was what it was all about. So... We were a discipling church, and through that discipling came 
the, as soon as uh, our, our pastor started talking about stepping down, there was a youth pastor in place, and we were already had a group of people surrounded him saying, hey, you're the next church plant. We were all thinking we were going to go. We had a group of about 10, 15 of us adults around. Our youth pastor said, wherever you plant your church, we're all going. And we were planning on going to Savannah, Georgia. We were trying to figure out all these cool places in the country that we were going to go plant our new church. And he came into the office one day and says, guess what? Our church right now is our new church plant. We never had to go anywhere. He took over, and he's still there. Daniel Stevens doing a phenomenal job. And uh, so that's, that was part of what we were doing there. So these kids, these youth, started growing up, and they started taking positions. They started going off to college and becoming youth leaders and things like this. Some of them, one of the churches in San Antonio is one of the friends of my daughter and son-in-law that are our youth pastors in this next room right now. You'll hear leading worship. This is their first night taking over that, and we're so excited about what God's going to do in there. So there's a piece of this ministry right there. They've got many friends in, in the ministry. Uh, we have many friends, uh, adult friends that are pastors because of we were all friends in Midland and they're all spread out around the country. They're in Dallas, they're in Flor you know, Orlando. We've got churches all over the country. And that, that came because of a discipling church. Out of that ministry also, I want to talk about what discipleship does. When you take a hold of the idea of discipleship, all of that is, is is God's vision and God's what God wants us to do. God's love for for humanity, for every person. And so his, he calls us to go and disciple the nations. And when you get a hold and when you grasp that, this discipleship is not just another Bible study. It's a way of life. You start realizing more about God's vision what he wants us to do. And with that vision came other mission fields in our past church, and one of them was called Mission Messiah, and that split off, and they went and took uh, women on drugs and battered women, and, uh, and they took them and their families in and discipled them, trained them, and they had to have jobs. And it's a thriving, it's, it's a huge organization now in, in Odessa, and it's going very well. There was another ministry uh, kind of similar that started there, and it is still going as well. Um, <clears throat> so with that as well comes our vision of our church, is that's going off and discipling the nations or planting another church. And I, I was just thinking about this last night, and I wrote down the Macintosh family. You know, we've got a family in our church that we've been talking about that is getting ready to go off to Northern Ireland. And a discipling church, a church that has the vision of what God wants to do, would, be, would want to be behind what the, what's happening there. And, and so I'm just, I'm not saying this to, to do anything other than to encourage you to maybe ask, ask God 
is this something that you want me to help with? Is this, is this something you want me to plant a seed and help them in this ministry? And we, were, we had a little worship service in our, I know we're a weird family. We have a worship night at home. And, and Crystal, of course, leads worship. She just started playing keyboard a couple months ago. And God has just given her an amazing talent. And it wasn't until a year ago that I heard her singing up here. I had never heard her sung in my life. And, uh, you know, things are just happening. So, anyway... The Macintosh family is 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 something to think about. I, we were playing in our in our prayer time and our worship singing at home with a few friends, and uh, and God spoke to me while we were praying for the Macintoshes, and He said, "I am turning your dollars into DNA." And I thought that for a minute, and I, I and I shared it afterwards, and I understood that God is allowing us. This is a homegrown kid in our church. This is family. This is our this is our Oak Hills family DNA that we're getting ready to send to another continent to be Jesus and and to spark what we what our desire is here in Northern Ireland. So I just wanted to say that because God put it on my heart last night when I was writing down some notes and I just thought, you know, um, there's, there's some, there's our, our, there's our DNA right now, and I want a piece of my DNA going with them, because this is what we're all about, and I want that up there, because that's what God wants. So, anyway, just to kick that around, um, I was thinking also last night about the, you've heard the saying, give a man a fish, and you feed him for a day and you teach a man to fish, and you feed him for a lifetime. And I started thinking, that is exactly what we're doing in discipleship. It's awesome that we're, we're trying to witness and, and get somebody into the kingdom. I mean, that's God's heart. That, that is what we're all about. But the fact of the matter is, when we do that, God wants us to disciple him, her, because that person may not just be saved, but they could go change the world because they might go do a thousand other people because they're going to be discipled. They're going to understand once they catch the vision of what discipleship is all about. So anyway, um, that's all. That's my uh, prelude into the thing tonight. And uh, before we get started, does anybody have any EDMs, any, any exciting stuff going on in your life you can share? God was watching out for Amelia this week. Um, I think it was Saturday night. She was working at Tasty Freeze, where she up in Alaska, and she was. What they do is they take some oil from the fry oil, where the fry oil is, to, and they pour a little bit of it on the uh, the grill, and they scrub it down and use that to clean off the grill to get off the the charred stuff. Well, anyway, she was carrying this metal cup with the oil in it, and her in her brain, she was like, oh, I got to get around the trash can here because it's empty because I don't want to spill oil in it because it'll melt the trash bag. 
Well, the next thing she knows is she spilled the oil on her hand. And the th next thing is going through her mind, and she's yelling out, cold water, cold water, cold water. And then she goes and um, she somehow sets the cup of oil on the grill without spilling it and gets her hand in the water. And they take her to the ER, and they check it out. She's got a few little blisters on it, but overall it's just um, a second-degree burn. And she's supposed to not work for a week, so we're kind of praying that it heals f fast. But um, she's like, it doesn't really hurt that bad like I thought it would. And so it's just like God put it in her brain of what to do without freaking out. Awesome. Thank you. Anybody else? Way back here. Come on. I think y'all a lot of have you you've read it, and I said something a couple of weeks ago. But uh, a lot of praying going on with for Sophia. She had her uh, like a follow up on Monday. Had an endoscopy, and uh, they took 14 biopsies, and they came back. The doc called today, and he was very excited, and he said, "I've got great news. Basically, everything's clear. So, not only is the um, intestinal metaplasia, which is a precancerous condition, there's no signs of it. She also what was the other thing that's gone." And the H. pylori is gone as well. So he just gave her a clean bill of health. So that's just, that's when, when that happened, we're like, just praise God because prayers are answered. So thank you. Awesome. Thank you. Who else? I knew we had one more. Sunday, I had a, a friend come. She recently lost her mother and was feeling hurt by her church um, because they didn't respond when her mother was sick and they didn't reach out to her after she died. And um, she was feeling hurt and broken. And I said, well, why don't you come over to Oak Hills? And I, um, so... I'm up in the booth, and the one Sunday she decides to come, well, I'm usually in the booth now, but anyway, she says, I'm going to be there on Sunday, and I said, great, I'm going to be in the booth, I'll introduce you around before the service starts, so she decides to sit in the front seat, and um, I lost track of her when we started the communion, and I'm, you know, doing the slides, and I look up. And my friend, who was sitting by herself on the front row, was over there engulfed with the Comptons and the Woods. And they were, she was just having a beautiful communion with them. And then after the service, she went up for prayer and cried and and got some healing and it was totally a God thing and it was so cool to watch from way back there. <laughs> That's neat. We got a lot of ground to cover so let's pray. Would you all mind just extending your hand over to here to our new youth pastors and what's what God is up to right now? Father, we are grateful, we are blessed, we are honored to step into a new season.
Father, we release Austin and Kate to you for a, for a new ministry. For, we are grateful that they blessed us here for the time we had them. But now Crystal and Jason have stepped up and, and answered the call. And Father, this work that you've placed in his heart back as a child is now coming to pass. So Father, we ask that you would watch over this group tonight, that you would pour out your spirit in abundance. Father, would you just do what, what you, your Holy Spirit wills and just pour out on these children? Would you create an atmosphere, Father, that would, would uh, usher in healing, that would usher in changes in families, would usher in attitudes at school? And Father, we are just grateful because what you're doing is we don't even understand and we cannot comprehend at this point, but we know it's great. So Father, we're, we're just ecstatic about what you're up to. God, tonight, would you just open our eyes? Would you transform us? Would you allow us to see your word in a supernatural sense? Would you just speak to us through your word, your word that you says is living and active? And so, Father, we're just asking for a, a clean mind. I'm actually asking for a reset, maybe tonight, uh, a default switch to like a computer, God. Would you just take us back and cleanse our minds and let us start afresh and anew and let us just see what you have for us tonight. Open our hearts that we would receive and we just give this evening to you, Father. We ask that you watch over Pastor Jimmy and Annette. You would bless their family outing, and you would just uh, you would just uh, allow them to come back refreshed and renewed, and a new sense of family to be spread, and the, their grandkids would be blessed, and their their children would be blessed because of the break. So we just love you and love what you're doing. And we give it all to you in Jesus' name. Amen. We are in, uh, Russ, you can go ahead and start that screen if you don't mind. I got a couple things up here I want you to, want you to see. To know the will of God, we, all we need is an open Bible and an open map. You heard Jimmy say that, we just need a, a Bible and a passport, and it's kind of the same thing. This is kind of a theme of every nation is we're discipling. That's what we're about. It says, all we need is the Word of God and, and a map to say, where do you want me, Lord? And sometimes it's right here. It's right where we're at. Man, I'm thankful. I love supporting missionaries. I told Brian and Leslie Haley when they left, I said, man, I will... I will give you money because I am so grateful that God's allowed me to stay here and, and he hasn't given me that. I'm, I'm so grateful that he's given that heart to other people. Uh, he hasn't given that to me, but man, I want to take care of those that he's called. Lottie Moon says, the command is so plain, just go. Isn't that simple? And then Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations in Matthew 28, 19. So let's get started. We're on lesson number five, or chapter five in lesson one. I like this, uh, what it said in, in, uh, before we start with the questions, as the foundation of any healthy relationship is communication. God's word 
in all its fullness is his way of communicating with us. And I would have changed that just personally and said, this is one of his ways of communicating with us. And we've talked about this in the past. The word of God is, is incredible, but he communicates with us through all kinds of ways, right? I mean, throw some out there. Other people, okay. Music, great. Anybody else? Creation, awesome. The word, huge. Thoughts to mind. Absolutely. Sure. That's God. That's God communicating. That's communion with you. That's awesome. There, anybody else? Pardon? Answered prayer. Absolutely. Perfect. Circumstances and situations. Right. Okay. There's only a thousand more. We're not going to get to them, but I just, I just wanted to just throw that out there so we're thinking about this. It's, it's a relationship. This is a communication. And so tonight we're, we're talking about the authority and the power of the word. So let's get right on into number one. It says, how does the Bible say the word, the world was created? And we're going to go to 2 Peter 3, 5. Says, for they deliberately overlooked the fact that the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God. Now, Peter's talking about uh, they deliberately, these were probably the Jews, maybe, and Greeks alike. Uh, but then, then the word, the, the, what am I trying to say? Through Acts of uh, Jesus. You know, Paul was talking about Jesus' works on the earth, and, and it became uh, the way. <laughs> Just escaped me. So the way was, they called it, you're part of the way. And that was Jesus' works on this earth. And so that's what uh, Peter was saying here. They deliberately overlooked the fact of how the earth was created and that, that God separated the water from dry land and, and created it by, through his word. Number two, what were the first followers of Jesus, his disciples devoted to in Acts 2.42? Let's go there. They devoted themselves to the apostles, to teaching and fellowship, into the breaking of bread, into prayers. I was thinking about this a little bit. You know, out of those four things, two of them are teaching and prayers. You know, they're, they're, uh, they're kind of godly things. The other two things are fellowship and the breaking of bread. And I thought this was interesting that those were of the four importance those are of the most important things that they did together. And, you know, fellowship and eating together, man, those, those are huge, isn't it? So I was just thinking that's what we're called to do. People, people uh, just, they go too deep and think that uh, I've got to get out there. I've got to preach the gospel. I've got to give out tracts. This was the past. This was what we did years ago, and, uh, and it offended a lot of people. And then we realized... You know, to be Jesus, 
you know, we, we can just be kind. We can just make people uh, see that there's something in you that they, they want to ask questions, right? I was, I was just talking to a, a friend in the hospital last night, and, uh, and he, was, he was just talking about, man, I can't, I can't wait to get out of here because I really, I, I really like, uh, you know, the evangelism. I want to get out. And, I, and then I started talking to him about his day, and I just said, you know, you're, you're being Jesus. You're, you're in here with congestive heart failure and pneumonia, but you're witnessing, you're being Jesus laying in that bed. He's been, he was talking to the nurses and everybody else about Jesus, inviting them to church. And uh, he, he already knew their stories. And I said, man, you don't have to be anywhere. You, you can lay there dying and you're, you know, you're still a witness. You are still expressing who you are and you're being Jesus in that bed, in that hospital bed. So anyway, they devoted themselves and, and uh, so I want you to know the importance of, of just, uh, it, it's not just always outside, always bringing people to Bible studies, bringing people to church. What about being with your neighbors and, and just having dinner together? And eventually they're going to wonder, what's different about you? You don't act the same. And, and I've had people act, ask me questions outside of the church, not, not because I said anything to them, it's just because I believe I probably treated them differently than anybody else did that day. It may be H-E-B, it may be at, it, somewhere, it doesn't make any difference, but I've had people actually say something, and, uh, and it, that, breaks, that breaks the ice, and, and you don't have to say anything sometimes but that breaks the ice. So they, they will ask you, you got to live a life compelling enough that people want to know what it is that's different about you. And that's what the Christian life is. Let's go to number three. What were the top two priorities for the early church leaders in Acts 6, 4? But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word the ministry of the word that that kind of makes it sound like the the word is not just a book doesn't it the ministry the the word has a ministry how can something that's just written have a ministry so that's why we're going to get a little deeper and find out what this word is <clears throat> and we'll go into number 4 what happened as the word of god spread in Acts 6, 7. And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. Now these, these priests were already probably Jews, um, but they were not for familiar with, with uh, the word. And so many of them became priests and became obedient to this new faith that that we're talking about in Acts. And so the word of God continued to increase. This isn't this you know it's not saying that that the disciples were out talking and increasing bringing in people. It says the word of God continued to increase and the number of disciples multiplied greatly. It doesn't even say anything about any people. 
It just talks about the word. Does that make sense? Let's go to number five. What was the word of the Lord doing in Ephesus while Paul was there? We're going to go to Acts 19, verse 20. So again, the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. So the word of God is outworking even when, even when man isn't doing anything. Isn't that funny how important, you know, we, we talk about the word of God, but we also talk in here about how important our words are. You know, the Bible says about our words, you know, we, we can bless and we can curse. And those words that we say are so powerful that you can destroy a life or you can build up a life. And so we have, we have the power to control our tongue and what comes off of our tongue. So the word of God is powerful. The word of us, the word of our testimony is powerful because that's Christ in us, the hope of glory, amen? So the uh, scriptures, how they were originally given to us, 1 Corinthians 2.13, let's go there, okay. <clears throat> I'm gonna read it up here. I don't have mine up here, Russ. This is 1 Corinthians 2.13, okay. Am I on the right verse, Russ? Okay. <laughs> 1 Corinthians 2. Maybe, maybe, I'm, maybe I'm mixed up. 1 Corinthians 2.13 is, is the, it's taught by the Spirit. Yeah, somebody read that. I don't have my, my Bible up here. There we go. Taught by the Spirit. We are spiritual people being taught by the Spirit. So the Word of God was given in Spirit, and that's how we received it in Spirit. 2 Timothy 3.16. All Scripture is is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Isn't that, uh, doesn't that just make sense about the Word of God? It is God-breathed, and it, it can do all this. It's profitable for teaching, for reproof. It, it Sometimes the Word of God is what we need to, to set us back, to say, you're on the wrong path. And, uh, that's what the Word of God does. It's living, it's breathing, it's active, and it is alive. And so we need to take, take hold of that. And let's go to uh, number seven. What does John say about the Word in John 1.1? 1, 1. I actually wanted to start with this, and I, I didn't, but let's go to John 1.1. 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. And the word was God. Man, we could have just closed our Bibles and gone home after that. I believe that says about everything. That's, that's taken us back to the beginning of Genesis. Uh, you know, of God hovering over the void and, cre and creating. And the word was God. And so, 
we're getting an idea about the word. I've always, I've always read it, and I've talked about, I've read about the word. I've, I've prayed about the word. I've never thought of the word as being something other than written book. So now we're believing that. Now we're understanding that is a lot more, right? Let's go to number eight. Who is the word? John one fourteen. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So who is this? <laughs> All right. Man, you guys are, you don't need us up here. <laughs> the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. The Word was alive. The Word walked on this earth. The Word was spoken. The Word was lived. The Word ate and and drank with the disciples and became part of their lives. And so the Word was among us. And so it's just amazing to think about the, the Word of God was an active thing, not just a spoken word, not just written word. It wasn't just something on a tablet. It wasn't just something in a book. It dwelt among us. Number nine, what do the following passages teach us about God's Word? Let's go to Psalm 119, 89. There's, there's a bunch of these, so Psalm 119, 89. Forever, O Lord, your Word is firmly fixed in the heavens. Do you follow that? The Word is fixed. It's, that means it's, it's not going anywhere. It's, it's not movable. It is there. It's, it's not something that comes and goes. It's there forever. It's firmly fixed in the heavens. Psalm 119, 160. The sum of your word is truth. <clears throat> I added another one in here. We might get to it later, but it's Psalm 119, 105. It's your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. You understand what these, they're, they're teaching us about God's Word. So the Word is, is a guide. It's a, it's a, when we step out and move, we have a light into our path, a light to our, yeah, go ahead. Right. Right. So is the word a, is it a verb or a noun? <laughs> yeah. 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 It, it, it's, it's, yes, it's both. I mean, it's, it's, it's alive. It's an action. It's, it's who God is. It's the word. So, so yes, yes is the answer. That, that, it's, it's all things. Isaiah 40, verse 8 says, the grass withers flowers fade 
the Word of God stands forever. Amen. That's, that's just, that's solid. That's something to hang on to. That's something that we can, we can entrust our prayers to, that we know the Word of God is there forever. And, and we can stand on that. It's fact. It's, in move, it's, it's not movable. It's there. <clears throat> Isaiah 55, 11. My word shall not return to me empty. So what does that mean? So God's word shall not return to me empty. So if God's word is spoken, if you speak God's word over somebody, what, is, what does that mean? It's going to reach its target. It's going, to, it's going to be active. It's going to do what God intended it to do. When you're, when you're speaking the word of God, that's action. God, God has nothing to do other than to take action when we speak his name and we ask. The word of God says he listens and he takes action and he hears us. So the word shall not return to me empty. It will reach its target. It will do what it intended to do. Matthew twenty four thirty five. My words will not pass away. What's the, what's, what's it say about the word? It says about Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Well, I just transposed that with the word. So the word is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's not going to change. The word of God does not change just because our society changes. And we're seeing a lot of that in this day and age. And, it, and it, people go crazy over it. And I understand but we're trying to we're we're trying to be trained to tolerate things that are unnatural and and but the word of god never changes so all we know is that's he still feels the same he still loves people and he doesn't want us to change but his words the same as it ever was he doesn't want us to change our attitudes he wanted, doesn't want us to change our mind about people about what the word says about people he just wants us to love just wants us to love. John seventeen seventeen. Your word is truth. So just what just what you were saying, Jerry. There's there's never been a lie ever spoken in the word. Right. <laughs> I don't. Amen. That's right. And and that's why he wants that's why we he wants us to have faith because he wants us to understand that that everything that we ask in his name shall be done. And and again we don't understand a lot of that doesn't make sense to me still sometimes because I'm saying well why Lord well it doesn't mean he's not going to answer it's just maybe not in my time frame and it may be answered in a different way. I'm thankful. I, I look back and I'm extremely thankful that God didn't answer a lot of my prayers in the past because I, I, I see better now. Number 10, what does the writer of Hebrews say about God's word 
and we're going to go to Hebrews 4.12. The Word of God is living, active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Is there anything left out? Man, <laughs> the Word of God can divide the soul and spirit. Man, you can't get much deeper than that. That just, that just blows my mind about the Word of God. He, he, the Word is discerning our thoughts and intentions of our heart. Man, that, that ought to just change the way you, you look, look at your day and how you react in your days. The Word of God is alive and it's active. It's living. Go ahead. like some class some clarification on the division of soul and spirit is is soul what is in us naturally and spirit and spirit of God or am I I'm not sure I understand that part of the scripture okay um, <laughs> I believe that's going to be a something that's going to require more time than this, but I believe the soul, the, the spirit is our, yes, is our spirit. We are spiritual beings, and our, our soul is, is our natural self. Um, our, our, our soul is, our spirit is was going to go on and live in eternity. Does that make sense? Is that Okay. I'm not sure what what the word is intending to say here other than the fact that that it 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 is it does everything. It there's there's nothing greater than the word. It can do all things. It it is sharper than a two-edged sword. There's you know, it's it's just it's it's explaining the fact of the the word of God is everything. It it is everything we need, everything we need it to be, and and uh, and the fact that it the word of God is discerning our thoughts, and and the actions of our heart, and so um, it's hard to it's hard to make sense of something that doesn't to make sense to me in a in a natural sense. You know, it doesn't make. To, to, to explain dividing of soul and spirit. Does somebody have a better explanation to that? Pastor Ron, you probably can do a better job of that. Right. Right. Cuts, cuts on going in and coming out. Right. Exactly. Right. That's right. A lot of this doesn't make sense to us. 
it will someday, but it just it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But we know that's what the Word of God does. It's 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 uh, it it's understanding everything about us. Let's go on to eleven. We're about to wrap this up. What does Jesus say? We will we will be judged according to on the last day, and it's in John twelve forty eight. The one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. The word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. So what does this mean to you? The one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. So what about those that do receive him? Amen. We don't have to worry about that. That's what was taken care of on the cross, right? There's a lot of people still think there's they still got to they still got to go fight they still got to go pay that price they still got and man you know that's what it's saying right here is is uh, we don't we do not any longer have a judge we already have the Christ that that did it on the cross and and so that will be taken care of uh, to that person on the last day they will have a judge. Amen. We do. I don't think we. our time is already up, and I was going to really try to get into lesson two, but there's just too much to cover. Um, and I want to get you out of here on time. I promised I would, so you'll come back next week. <laughs> so let's pray. Father, we are in awe of your word. We are in awe of the power of your word. Father, your word is sharper than a two-edged sword. <laughs> your word pierces through us into the innermost parts of our being, dividing from soul and spirit. That's even hard to comprehend, but Father, your word goes as deep as it needs to go to, to, reach, to reach our lives. So Father, I'm grateful for your word. I'm grateful that it has penetrated our lives. I am grateful that you are showing us the the fact of you are here, you are in our lives, you have a purpose, and our purpose is to love and to disciple. And God, we are excited about what you're doing. We're, decide, we're excited about the future because, Father, we know you are a part of that, and we're just doing what you say to do next, and we're going to hold on, and we're going to move forward. And, Father, would you just allow us to leave here rejoicing and loving one another. And Father, would you just uh, open, our, open our eyes that we could see people as you see people. Father, just show us, show us how you love. I saw something today that, that just said, you will never look into the eyes of somebody that Jesus doesn't love. And that just changed my day. And so, Lord, would you give us those eyes to see people as you do? Give us a heart for the nations. Give us a heart for the lost. And, Father, if you would call us, I'm asking for a heart change, if you would direct us to, uh, to be a part of what you're doing in your kingdom. Maybe Austin and Kate, maybe it's something else. But, Father, I'm asking for you to direct our hearts. Make it clear the path that you have for us. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.